Hello and welcome to Indian Legends, a podcast in which we will explore the legends from different cultures in the Indian subcontinent. In today's episode, we will dive into the life of Shakuni, another character from the mythological Indian epic of Mahabharat. We briefly met this character in our previous episode, but after this episode, you will know all about the events from his youth that led Shakuni to play such a pivotal role in starting the great war between the princes of Hastinapur. As always, all the stories for this episode will be based on research done over a period of years from various written and folk sources. So minor variations exist between texts and no one author has sole accepted canonship of these religious scripts. I'm simply using the text I am most familiar with. This story is set in the ancient kingdom of Hastinapur, led by the Kuru family which is said to be located in the northern India, encompassing present-day Delhi and Haryana. It follows the story of Prince Shakuni who suffers such a harsh punishment in his youth that he devotes the rest of his life to bringing down the family that caused his suffering. Shakuni does so by instigating a war of succession among the princes of the kingdom of Kuru that results in the eventual annihilation of almost all the members of that royal family. This war and the legend surrounding it are chronicled in the epic of Mahabharat. Shakuni is one of the most important characters of Mahabharat because he was the prime architect of the events that led to the war. He was crucial in creating a divide between the two houses within the kingdom of Hastinapur, which at that time was one of the most powerful kingdoms of the region. Shakuni conspired by pretending to care about one of the Kuru princes to mastermind the events that eventually led to the Great War. A lot of people who perhaps don't read the text of Mahabharat carefully consider Shakuni to be a villain in the story. Often he is cited as an antagonist of the story but hopefully after listening to this episode everyone will see him in a different light. Now I'm not saying that he was a noble character worthy of praise but he also was not the negative character he's often portrayed out to be. Shakuni could be cited as the most grey character in the story which makes him out to be one of the most interesting characters as well. His life story has perhaps inspired a lot of well-written characters in fiction all over the world without us being even aware of it. So needless to say, today's episode is one of my favorite episodes because of how interesting I find Shakuni as a character study. This character perhaps also teaches us that no one is purely evil. Shakuni's life story offers an insight that not every villain is a psychopath and sometimes there are events in their life that make them choose the path that they end up on. One of the most interesting facts about Shakuni's life is that according to the scriptures after the war was over he went to heaven whereas all the Pandavas who are considered to be the main heroes of the story did not. The reason cited is that Shakuni did everything he thought was right. Whatever he did, he thought it was his duty. So without further ado, let's start Shakuni's journey. Shakuni was the prince of Gandhar, 
modern day Afghanistan. He was born to the king of Gandhar called King Subal. The king had 100 boys and one girl and Shakuni was the youngest among his brothers. The king's daughter was named Gandhari after the kingdom of Gandhar. Gandhari was known for her beauty, especially her eyes. So when the blind prince of Hastinapur, Prince Dhritarashtra, came of marriageable age, she was the front runner for the candidates. Another reason for this match was the fact that Gandhar was also a strong strategic kingdom that was the first in the path of the western invaders. So this alliance would have naturally strengthened the power of Hastinapur and made them more secure against invaders. But what nobody knew about Gandhari's past was that when she was born, the royal astrologer had predicted something about her birth. This one information is single-handedly considered the cornerstone of what led to Shakuni to take the revenge against the kingdom of Hastinapur. The astrologer told the king of Gandhar, King Subal, that Gandhari was born under the malefic effects of the planet Mars in her astrological charts. This meant that she was what's referred to as in astrology as a Manglik. The word Manglik is after the word Mangal, which is what Mars is referred to as in Sanskrit. So according to this prediction, if Gandhari was to marry someone, they would die. So as a remedy, the priest told the king to marry Gandhari to a male goat and then sacrifice this goat to get rid of this curse. So the king did exactly that, but this meant that technically Gandhari was a widower. This is a very important fact to remember in Shakuni's story because this is going to impact his life in a major way and in the future will become the epicenter of his character's transformation. It's very strange that this one event could possibly be seen as something that led to the greatest war in the story. Something so menial led to the events that changed the course of everyone's life. A goat sacrifice on the suggestion of a priest will lead to the death of the greatest warriors in the story. Queen Satyavati, who was the queen of the kingdom of Hastinapur, who was the guardian of the throne of Hastinapur, asked Bhishma, who was sworn to the kingdom of Hastinapur, as you would remember from our previous episode, to travel to Gandhar and ask for Gandhari's hand in marriage for her son, Prince Dhritarashtra, who was born blind. Bhishma, if you remember from our previous episode, is another central character in this story. So it's very important for Shakuni's story to remember the fact that it was Bhishma who went to Gandhar to ask for Gandhari's hand in marriage. The proposal was something that the king of Gandhar could not refuse because of the strength Bhishma possessed according to the text. So after the queen ordered Bhishma to go to Gandhar, he marched there but not alone. He interestingly took his entire army with him, which was interesting because he usually went alone everywhere in the story. This is one of the few instances where he decides to take his entire army of Hastinapur with him. But this wasn't just for show, there was a strategic reason behind it. When the king of Gandhar, King Subal, 
saw the massive army marching towards his kingdom, he naturally assumed it was an enemy force. So he ordered his army to prepare for war. But when they saw Bhishma alone coming towards the main door, they suspected something different. Bhishma informs them that he is there to ask for the princess's hand in marriage for the blind prince Dhritarashtra. Although King Subal knew that the prince was blind, but he couldn't say anything. King Subal had just seen the massive size of Hastinapur army that was still camped outside of their kingdom. He understood that his one answer was the difference between a kingdom-wide celebration and its complete destruction. Maybe this is the strategic reason Bhishma got the entire army with him. He knew that the strength of the army could help sway this decision in their favor without actually going through any bloodshed or arguments. And this is exactly what happened. King Subal knew he couldn't refuse this request for the sake of his entire kingdom. And so he accepted this proposal for his daughter Gandhari to be married to the blind prince. Gandhari too accepted her fate because she knew this marriage could save her entire kingdom from so much death and destruction. She saw this as a way to repay her parents for what they did for her her entire life. She also saw this as her duty as a princess to save her kingdom. Although Shakuni protested against the marriage but he was overruled by his father, he would not risk an all-out war to protect his daughter. Shakuni's protest was met with criticism that he favoured the life of his sister more than thousands of lives of the Gandharians. So his voice was silenced. And so Gandhari was married to the blind prince. After marriage, she thought that to best serve her husband, she needed to understand his perspective. She felt that she needs to feel what her husband feels and only then can she be a true companion and give him the support he needs. So she did something that no one would have expected. She decides to tie a piece of cloth around her eyes for the rest of her life because she wanted to live as a person devoid of sight in order to best serve her husband's needs as a wife. So now that we have a better understanding of where Shakuni comes from, let's talk about the single event that changed Shakuni's life forever. The marriage of Shakuni's sister Gandhari and the blind prince was going relatively peaceful until the day Prince Dhritarashtra discovered the secret that Gandhari had been hiding for all these years. Now if we remember from the beginning of the story, Gandhari was married to a goat which was eventually sacrificed to get rid of her curse. So when the prince discovered that she was married to a goat and she is a widower, he felt insulted. He felt that the kingdom of Gandhar had insulted him for being blind. He felt like he was cheated by the king and his entire family who did not inform him of this crucial fact about Gandhari's past. Even Bhishma felt that it was unfair for the kingdom and its glory for their prince, the heir to the throne, to marrow a widower. So this led to Dhritarashtra deciding to punish 
the king of Gandhar, King Subal, along with his entire family. Some texts say that even Bhishma was involved in this decision, but it would seem out of character for Bhishma because of how honorable he was. Nevertheless, Prince Dhritarashtra decides to imprison the king of Gandhar, King Subal, and his hundred sons for this perceived crime. This is where some texts differ because some of them say that he didn't imprison them, but as the culture of the time, he didn't give them permission to go back home. And as a reason, they were confined inside their rooms. But whichever story we choose to believe, the texts do agree that Prince Dhritarashtra decided to give King Subal and his hundred sons hundred pieces of rice in total to eat per day. That would mean a handful of rice to eat among a hundred sons and their father. So naturally, it was clear to the entire Gandhar clan what his intentions were. They could not all survive on this food ration. So this is when the king of Gandhar decided that the food they were given every day was only enough for one of them to survive. The king knew they were all going to die off soon. So he decides that the entire clan would sacrifice themselves for the sake of one of them to survive, who would eventually take revenge on everyone's behalf. The king of Gandhar decides that the one who is the smartest out of his sons should prevail. He wanted to save one of them who would be the most capable to take revenge for what was going to happen to his family. Some accounts say that the king took a single piece of bone and a single piece of hair. He then asks his son to pass this single strand of hair through this piece of bone. But they had to do this without touching this strand of hair. Shakuni, who was the youngest of them all, tied this hair strand to an ant and then he put the piece of rice on the other end of the bone. He simply let the ant pass through this bone to get to the rice strand, thereby passing this single hair strand through the bone. When the king saw this, he knew only Shakuni was smart enough to take revenge on behalf of their entire family. So it was decided that everyone would fast and only Shakuni would be given the ration of food that they got. And naturally, one by one, everyone started dying off. Shakuni saw his hundred brothers starve to death in front of his own eyes. He saw the brothers he grew up with die in front of his eyes and he could do nothing. This added to Shakuni's resentment against the Hastinapur kingdom and the king's clan that were single-handedly responsible for the death of his entire family. Some texts also tell us that just before the king of Gandhar died of starvation, he called Shakuni closer to him. He then took his ankle and broke it over his leg. When Shakuni cried out in pain and asked him why did he do that, the king replied, So every time you limp, you are reminded of your life's purpose. I don't want time to make you forget that your entire clan sacrificed themselves so you may one day be able to avenge all of us. 
this is the only reason why you're alive today and all of your brothers are dead and soon i will join that fate as well he then told him that shakuni must take his bones after he died and carve a dice out of them some texts also mention that the king used his life force and fused it into his bones the king of gandhar told shakuni to take the bone pieces from his spine that consists his entire life force and forge dice out of them and the dice he forges will not be a common dice it would always obey his command because his life force would have fused into his bones some texts also tell us that before the king of gandhar died he requested prince dhritarashtra to let shakuni go back to their kingdom because he was the only living male heir remaining so he was the only one who could perform the last rites for him and all of his brothers who had died the king also requested the blind prince to forgive shakuni because he was so young that he did not even know about gandhari's past it was the king's fault and he begged prince dhritarashtra to let one of his male heirs survive so that his clan may survive this is perhaps dhritarashtra's most fatal mistake of letting shakuni leave alive had he killed shakuni that day the entire war and all the suffering which was to come could have been easily avoided shakuni vowed that he would do whatever was needed to destroy the entire hastinapur clan as they killed his entire family so he started to pretend he wished nothing but fortune for his sister gandhari's family and the day prince dhritarashtra was not made the king of hastinapur because he was born blind shakuni saw a crack in their family but as fate would have it the newly crowned king passed away and after that the blind prince prince dhritarashtra was made the warden of the kingdom of hastinapur so shakuni decided to take dhritarashtra's eldest son under his wing and started to influence the young prince this young prince was named prince duryodhan who is also another central character of the story but we're going to talk about prince duryodhan as we move along in this story often so now that we understand the events that led to shakuni's lifelong journey vowing revenge let's dive into his journey with prince duryodhan so shakuni was prince duryodhan's maternal uncle duryodhan was shakuni's sister gandhari's eldest son so shakuni decided that duryodhan was his most important pawn to take revenge against the entire hastinapur clan and hence shakuni started living in hastinapur abandoning his own kingdom of gandhar bhishma saw shakuni's intentions so he advised the warden of the throne prince dhritarashtra to send all the princes far away from the kingdom so they may be trained away from the influence of their kingdom He wanted the princes to return skilled warriors and equipped with the knowledge to rule and run the kingdom. Dhritarashtra had to reluctantly agree even though he loved his eldest son Prince Duryodhan a lot. And after this, 
Bhishma asked Shakuni to leave for Gandhar to rule because his father was dead and their kingdom needed a new ruler. So in a way Shakuni was kicked out of the kingdom by Bhishma. And so Shakuni had to return to Gandhar where he waited with the sole purpose of returning back to Hastinapur when Duryodhan would finish his training and would come of age and he could pick it up from where he left. And that's exactly what happened 25 years later when the princess returned back to Hastinapur after finishing their training. Shakuni knew this was the only way he could get revenge. In ancient Indian text, Shakuni is credited with creating a workflow to win over your enemies which is called as Shakuni Niti. Niti translates to ideology in Sanskrit. So Shakuni's ideology is based on similar ideas of keeping your enemies closer. So Shakuni gave the world an ideology of how you can destroy your enemies by staying closer to them and winning over their confidence and then to advise them against their own interest and ruin their destiny. He always stayed close to Duryodhan and through him he finally got his revenge against the entire Hastinapur clan. Broadly speaking, there are three kinds of ancient Indian nitis or ideologies when it comes to political warfare. The first being Shakuni niti, the second being Chanakya niti and the third being Krishna niti. But we're going to talk about all of these nitis further down the lane when we explore these other fantastic characters when we explore their life journeys. But more on that later. So let's dive back to what happened when the young princess came back to Hastinapur. When the young princess came back to Hastinapur, the prime question originated, which will become the central reason for the entire conflict that would eventually lead to the war of Mahabharat. To understand this conflict, we must remember where it began. The central conflict began when now the warden of the throne, Dhritarashtra, was competing for this claim to the throne with his younger brother Pandu. Even though Dhritarashtra was the eldest son, he had the claim to the throne, but because he was born blind, he was deemed unfit to rule, and the throne passed on to his younger brother Pandu, who was crowned the king. But after the unfortunate death of King Pandu, Dhritarashtra was made the warden of the throne till the time would come when one of the princes would come of age and the throne would pass on to them. So now the natural question arised, who ascends the throne? Would it be the King Pandu's eldest son or would it be the current warden's son, Prince Duryodhan? If we look at this through Prince Duryodhan's perspective, if his father could not ascend the throne because he was born blind, even though he was the eldest son, then wouldn't he naturally should be the one to ascend the throne? But if you look at it from Prince Yudhishthir's perspective, because his father ascended the throne and eventually became the king of the kingdom and Dhritarashtra was only the warden of the throne, he had the birthright to ascend the throne, hence giving rise to the central prime conflict that would lead to circumstances that would eventually lead to the Mahabharat war. 
Shakuni saw this as an opportunity to create a division between the two clans within the Hastinapur family and finally take his revenge. And that is exactly what he did. Shakuni pretended that because he was the maternal uncle of Duryodhan, everything he did, he did for his benefit. And he pretended to hate the children of the deceased king Pandu, who were commonly referred to as the Pandavas, taking after their father's name, Pandu. So when the time came to announce the successor, Shakuni, taking Duryodhan's side, tried to scheme and kill the Pandavas. Although he attempted multiple times to take their life, but one event stands out, which was the events that happened in the palace of Varnavrat. So let's talk about the fiery plot that Shakuni invented to kill the Pandavas along with their mother. Due to political pressure from Bhishma and the others in the king's council, King Dhitrashtra had to announce Prince Yudhishthir as his heir to the throne. This is where Shakuni gets desperate and devises a plan to kill the Pandavas. Shakuni bribed one of his confidants to convince the Pandava's mother, Queen Kunti, to visit a palace her late husband, King Pandu, used to visit a lot. The confidant requests the queen to visit the palace that had been devoid of all of their blessings for years now, after King Pandu had passed away. And so Queen Kunti, in a moment of weakness, gave her word that she shall visit the land of Varnavrat, where this palace was, with her kids. The confidant praises the newly built palace that he has erected, which eagerly awaits their arrival. He immensely praises the architecture that he was able to create and boasted how it will be recognized as his life's best work. The queen knew that this was not a common man. He was a renowned architect of that region, so him praising his own work must be a place of beauty. What she didn't knew that Shakuni has previously instructed this architect to use very specific ingredients for the construction of this palace. He instructed him to use ash, dried grass and an oil mixture which could catch fire very easily and would burn down very quickly. He also instructed him to only build one door to enter or exit this palace and make the bedrooms at the very end of this palace. He also instructed the architect not to build any kitchen inside the palace as to avoid an untimely accident with fire. But the Pandavas were warned by their confidant and their uncle Vidur who worked in the king's council who got to know about this plan. He sent them a message. Vidur sent them a mouse hidden inside a bag of wheat. The Pandavas initially could not understand this gesture. But as they started to inquire more inside the palace, they deciphered what was going to happen. So after discovering this fiery plot, they captured the architect and his men and left them inside the palace once it was lit on fire. They wanted to make sure there were five male and one female dead bodies discovered at the site. If anyone should come here and inspect it after the news of the palace burning down spread across their land. And so after these events came to light, it was decided that the kingdom of Hastinapur should be divided into two equal parts. One part 
was to be given to the Pandavas and the other part was to remain with Hastinapur. The Pandavas were given the kingdom that they named Indraprastha. Some texts claim that Indraprastha is the current New Delhi which is the capital of India. But this enraged Shakuni as he failed in his objective to get Duryodhan crowned as the king of the entire kingdom. So Shakuni started to plot again and he came up with an ingenious military strategy to marry off Duryodhan to Krishna's sister. But this plan foiled when Krishna beat him to the punch by getting Prince Arjun who was one of the Pandavas married to his sister instead. The main objective of this marriage was to unite the kingdom of Krishna, Dwarka, to either of the newly formed kingdoms. Dwarka was a formidable force in the region, so Shakuni wanted to get this matrimonial relationship to associate the newly formed kingdom of Hastinapur with Dwarka. But Arjun's marriage tied Dwarka with Indraprastha as Arjun was a Pandava. This enraged Shakuni to vow revenge against Krishna. It was on this day that he vowed to defeat Krishna even if it meant destruction of every kingdom that existed. This incident, in many scholars' eyes, is seen as the day the great war of Mahabharat was set up. This incident signifies two of the greatest minds in Mahabharat taking sides against each other. Some texts say that it was Krishna himself who said that Shakuni is the smartest man alive and it's a shame that he uses his brain for the wrong side of dharma. So in a way, this defeat of Shakuni made him start plotting his best played hand in the story so far, the game of dice. Shakuni was the master of dice. And if we remember, it was Shakuni's dying father who had instructed him to create a dice out of his bones. He had told Shakuni that he will put his entire life force into the dice and they would follow his every command. So Shakuni knew that the only way to defeat the Pandavas was with his magical dice. Culturally, in those times, a warrior could not refuse an invitation to a fight or a game of dice because it was seen as game of war. Also, a game of dice was considered as something that depends entirely on your fortune and a king should always be the master of his fortune. So traditionally, the king of Indraprastha and the eldest Pandava brother, King Yudhishthir, could not refuse this invitation. He reluctantly agreed to play this game. But interestingly, Shakuni was chosen by Duryodhan to roll the dice from their side. The game began with King Yudhishthir playing with nominal gold at stake but eventually Shakuni was so skilled that King Yudhishthir lost everything including his entire kingdom. He could not stand up and quit during the game because of the customs of those times till both sides decided it was time to end the game. But then what happens is what leads to the announcement of revenge. When Prince Duryodhan put his brother on stake, Yudhishthir also had to put one of his own brothers on stake for the game. Eventually Yudhishthir lost all of his brothers in the game and he had to put himself on the stake. And as fate would have it, 
the great king yudhishthir lost himself in the game of dice to shakuni this is where duryodhan perhaps made the biggest mistake of his life he put his own wife on stake and forced king yudhishthir to put his wife queen draupadi on the stake when yudhishthir lost his queen she was dragged into the court and she was disrespected in front of everyone prince duryodhan then orders his younger brother to go and disrobe her in front of everyone the story progresses to show how krishna had to come to her rescue and save her from being disrobed and bhishma karan dhritarashtra and the entire court watches this without being able to stop it as prince duryodhan had rightfully won her in the game This is considered as their biggest sin in the story that leads to all of their downfall. Krishna points to this event of disrobing of Draupadi as the quintessential event that leads to everyone's good karma being destroyed. This single event led to the three of the greatest warriors being killed in the Mahabharat war. After the game was over, the Pandavas left the court under one condition. of being exiled for 13 years however shakuni added a clause to this increment saying that the pandavas would have to spend the last year hidden according to this clause should anyone recognize the pandavas then they would have to spend another 13 years in the exile with the same condition shakuni's plan was to use his spies to follow the pandavas wherever they were in order to expose them and foil their ear in hiding because the pandavas had lost everything they were now considered as slaves they were forced to follow these instructions but before leaving they vowed that after their exile was over they would return and challenge the kingdom of hastinapur thus officially declaring a war against the kingdom and this is exactly what happens 13 years later This game of dice is considered as the biggest mistake by Yudhishthir and Duryodhan. But this game is considered as the biggest victory from Shakuni's perspective. It was this game of dice that finally led to the official declaration of war between the two sides. Shakuni vowed revenge against the kingdom of Hastinapur that was a much stronger and more powerful than his own kingdom of Gandhar. This was the only way he could create a divide between these two families within the kingdom and put them on the battlefield vowing to kill each other. So in a way this dice game was the official beginning of Shakuni's revenge plot. Shakuni sent his spies after the Pandavas to follow their every move. Shakuni knew that if he failed to stop the Pandavas from waging the war he needed to weaken them somehow for the battle to come so shakuni instigated prince jayadrat the brother-in-law of prince duryodhan to go and abduct draupadi prince jayadrat was married to duryodhan's sister shakuni said that the most powerful king should have the most beautiful woman in the world because shakuni knew that jayadrat was a prideful man and if he would attack his ego and pride that was the only way to instigate him as a result of which jayadrat 
did exactly as Shakuni wanted. So Jaitrath tried to abduct Draupadi when the Pandavas were foraging for food in the jungle. When the Pandavas returned to their hut and discovered what had happened, they went after Jaitrath. They were successful in capturing him, but since he was their cousin's husband, they decided not to kill him. Instead, they shaved his head as a way to humiliate him and left him tied to his chariot. This is the day King Jaitrath swore vengeance against the Pandavas and Shakuni was able to convince him to join their side because enemy of the enemy is my friend. Although Shakuni had left his best spies to watch over the Pandavas every move, but as fate would have it, the Pandavas were able to trick the spies and go into hiding. Some scripts tell us about a story that one day Draupadi confronted the spies and offered them food. She said that they must be hungry and since they have been following them around for so long, she feels a strange kinship towards them and she cannot see them go hungry. The spies, moved by this gesture and seeing how honorable the Pandavas were, decided to go back and not to report on them to Shakuni. And hence, the Pandavas were able to escape the eyes of Shakuni. Had these spies not been affected by the Pandavas' mercy and decide to leave them, Shakuni could have been successful at his plan. The Pandavas spent their last year of exile in the kingdom of Virat in hiding. They had to disguise themselves in order to not be discovered by anyone. Shakuni tried his best but could not succeed in identifying the Pandavas and thus they came out of their exile with the promise to wage war against the kingdom of Hastinapur. However, Shakuni used this time to forge new alliances that could help the kingdom of Hastinapur in the coming war. He would advise Prince Duryodhan to form new friendships and new alliances with powerful kingdoms. But Duryodhan's pride and anger would sometimes get in the way. But Shakuni was so confident in Bhishma's ability to single-handedly win the war for them that he didn't care about these military alliances as much as he should have. This is considered by many as Shakuni's biggest miscalculation. So now that we understand the events that led to the war, let's talk about Shakuni's role in the war. Let's start with the day Shakuni discovered Bhishma's Achilles heel. He learned about the story of Princess Amba who was born as Princess Shakandini now. For those of our listeners who've listened to our previous episode, they must remember the story of Amba who becomes the reason Bhishma lays down his weapons in the battlefield. So when the rules of the battlefield were narrated, Shakuni added a clause that no woman should be allowed to take part in this war. If there was a woman standing in the battlefield, his army would not participate because he said that it wasn't honorable to take up weapons against a woman. And this is how he was able to block the one person who could have stopped Bhishma from entering this war, thus laying the foundation of the oldest transgender reassignment story we can find in any mythology. It should be noted here that not only are trans people recognized in the Indian mythology as equals, but also enjoy a high esteem and importance in certain ceremonies culturally. They were not shunned away from society, 
but accepted as important part for their contributions. Shakuni also tricked the maternal uncle of the Pandavas to join his side. He knew that the maternal uncle of Pandavas, King Shailya, was a prideful man. Shakuni asked Duryodhan and his brothers to trick the king's chariot towards their own side. He then asked them to decorate the tents for a lavish welcome. They pretended to welcome him and asked him to take the central stage in their convoy. They told him how happy they were and blessed with his presence. When the king saw this lavish welcome for himself, he did not inquire much and he promised his loyalty to the king who stood in front of him. King Shell, Pandava's maternal uncle, mistook Duryodhan to be Yudhishthir and gave him his word to help him in the war. He was thus forced to fight against his own nephews from Duryodhan's side because he could not break his word. This is how cunningly Shakuni would trick others to multiply their own army and to take power away from the Pandavas. And so eventually the war started. The Hastinapur army was much larger in size as compared to the Pandavas army. It was similar to if one large kingdom was going to war against a collective of smaller armies on the other side. Shakuni was confident of their power because he knew that their side had the time's most powerful warriors who were Bhishma, Guru Dronacharya and Karan. Bhishma is somebody who we dedicated our very first episode to and in the future episodes, we're also going to talk about Guru Dronacharya and Karan, who are also central characters of the Mahabharat story. He was also confident of the size of their army. However, it was not in his nature not to conspire. It was as if Shakuni was unable to not plot and scheme. After years of being at a disadvantageous position, perhaps Shakuni's nature had transformed into a habitual schemer. Similar to pathological liars who are not in control of when they lie, it was Shakuni's core nature to scheme and plot. One of the stories tells us about the time when Shakuni saw King Yudhishthir fighting alone without the protection of his family. So he directed King Shalya, who was his maternal uncle but was fighting from the side of Duryodhan to kill Yudhishthir. This would break the law of warfare but Shakuni forced the king Shell to kill Yudhishthir by throwing his bow at him. This is when Prince Uttar took the bow upon himself and died. This further infuriated Shakuni and he decided to instigate Bhishma. So one day while fighting, as fate would have it, Bhim, one of the Pandava warriors took Prince Duryodhan captive. But on the other side, Bhishma had took Prince Yudhishthir captive. So a truce was reached. Bhishma returned King Yudhishthir in exchange for Prince Duryodhan. This is when, instigated by Shakuni, Prince Duryodhan accused Bhishma of favoring the Pandavas. Bhishma, angered by this accusation, decided to leave the battlefield at once. But it was Shakuni who reminded him of his oath that bound him to the fate of Hastinapur. So the next day Bhishma fought with all his might, almost turning the events of the war. This is when Bhishma decided not to leave the battlefield for a second. He decided to stay at the battlefield till the war was over. But the power of Krishna could not be undone. 
and after bhishma guru dronacharya and karan fell the war was almost decided the pandavas were sure to win this war and shakuni could not do anything to stop this and so on the 18th day of the battle shakuni came face to face with the youngest pandava brother sahdev shakuni was a man of great intelligence and cunningness but not a strong warrior so when he came face to face with sahdev he knew how it was going to end interestingly some scriptures tell us that sahdev told shakuni to run away from the battlefield as he was the brother of queen gandhari sahdev's father was the brother-in-law of queen which made shakuni also related to them and their maternal uncle so he told shakuni that he will give him this one last chance to return back home if he wanted to because he does not want to hurt the queen by killing his only brother however shakuni refused this and he decided to stay on the battlefield shakuni looked at the battlefield and said that he was the only one who was going to win this war his objective was to destroy the kingdom of hastinapur and take revenge of his 101 family members who were starved to death he said that his kingdom was not the most powerful enough to take on the mighty kingdom of hastinapur but he vowed his revenge and today that revenge was over the 99 korva brothers were dead and the mighty bhishma himself was lying on a bed of arrows the entire hastinapur clan which was once the beacon of power in the region was reduced to dead bodies and those left alive were fighting against each other so he had no regrets and he was ready to die and so on the 18th day of the war shakuni was killed by sahdev thus ending the story of one of the most important crucial and interesting characters of the story and this is where one of the greatest masterminds of the mahabharat stories journey comes to an end but perhaps one of the most interesting things in shakuni's journey happens after he died when a lot of people read about shakuni they are sometimes shocked to learn that shakuni after dying went to heaven a lot of people often wonder how can someone so cunning be given a chance to enter heaven well according to shakuni's kartavya prayanta book shakuni lived a life following his one purpose which was to take revenge for what had happened to his own family he avenged their death by whatever means he could and he spent his entire life pursuing this goal which in his mind was the right thing to do so whatever he did he did to take revenge on behalf of his family who were wrongfully killed so to say that shakuni was an evil character is a very black and white view of his life so i hope after listening to this character journey everyone can appreciate how shakuni's actions were a reaction to what had happened to him in his own life this is one of the reasons as a storyteller i love reading about this character because it teaches us that people are not just purely evil but there are nuances sometimes a person is forced to do the most despicable things because of what had happened to them and what they were subjected to in their own lives hence this character according to me 
is the best inspiration of how to write a villain without making them blatantly evil. And we can see Shakuni's references today in literature all over the place. So as an exercise, after listening to this character journey, let's all think about the best written villain characters we have seen anywhere. May it be shows like Game of Thrones or Harry Potter and see how they were not just pure evil, but they had convincing backstories that explained their despicable behavior. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and appreciate this rich character who is the central inspiration of a school of thought often taught in Indian politics referred to as the Shakuni Niti. It is often recommended in the case where the enemy is too strong for someone to beat them in a direct confrontation. He talks about how someone would need to first weaken their enemy from within and then use their strengths against them, just as Shakuni did. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or joining us on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. So that's all for this episode. I hope you can join us on the next episode of Indian Legends.